Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. Hello, this is Dr. Christopher Pepler and I'm here today with my son Lance, but more about that just now. As most of you probably know, Truth is the Word is a Jesus-centered repository of resources. Now that means it's all about Jesus and it's all about his centrality in the church and in biblical understanding, and in fact, in Christian life in general. Now, I've got a strong desire to see the church Jesus-centered. And this is something that I've strived for over a long time, and particularly in the church that I pastored over for about three decades. That's the Village Church in Lone Hill. And also in the seminary that I founded 25 years ago. That's the South African Theological Seminary. However, when I look at the church and seminaries around the world, I honestly can't say that I observe them to be particularly Jesus-centered, with a few obvious exceptions to that. And what I mean by not being obviously Jesus-centered, they don't seem to place Jesus' life and his words and his works, and in fact the revelation that he brings of the Godhead, as their focal point. And they don't use that focal point for determining their doctrine and their practices. Now, at the beginning of 2021, after many long lockdown COVID-19 months, my son and I decided to have breakfast together every two weeks just to catch up and keep in touch. And after a couple of these breakfasts, he started to speak to me about his unhappiness with his church and with the church in general. And he said that he had started to realize that the church didn't seem to be focused on Jesus and definitely not obsessed with Jesus. So, we have decided to see if we can make a joint contribution at this time to lifting up Jesus and to encouraging churches and believers to be more Jesus-centered. We're going to have a 12-week series on Truth is the Word called Captivated by Jesus. And this is a product of Lance's desire to contribute to reviving the church, and it's a vision and endeavor I wholeheartedly share and support. So for the next 12 weeks... I'm going to share my thoughts and feelings in three articles and podcasts on different attributes of Jesus. And then I'm going to try and relate them with a personal story to where I've seen Jesus show this particular tribute in my life or in the life of the church. Lawrence will interview three Christian thought leaders from around the world on their take on Jesus and his position in the church. And the reason for this particular post is to introduce the series and to introduce Lawrence to you so that it doesn't come as a complete shock when you hear his voice or see his name instead of mine. So, Lance, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us the reason for the Captivated by Jesus series that we're doing together? Yeah, thank you, Dad, and hello to your listeners. It's really fantastic to do this with you, and I'm looking forward to the next 12 weeks. Before I begin, I just want to say that I don't have a theological background. I don't have any degrees, let alone three doctorates. And I don't have never held leadership positions at churches, um, which I've attended. Um, but I'm a spiritual believer and very have a very solid um, Christian foundation. And the fact that I, you know, haven't got lots of degrees or held leadership positions is actually a good thing, I think, because I realize that I can step back and observe what the church is ha- what the church is doing from, and like an impartial observer almost, yeah. which uh, has been good for me. But during my life, so I'm 50 years old, and so I've attended churches, you know, all through my life. 
And I'm really sad to say that most of them have been disappointing to me. That's like the honest truth. And, and during the last 10 years, especially, I found myself attending church more as an obligation, you know, for my family, that my kids can go to Sunday school, that I can be a good role model for them. And I've often wondered when I've looked at the church, you know, is this the sort of church that Jesus envisaged mm. when he said he would build his church? You know, mm. the churches I've attended have often been so lifeless. You know, they're full of programs and duties and actually centered on a lot of other things than Jesus. And you, know, you can have a social impact campaign or you can have a series of seven sermons looking at the book of, you know, what mm. Romans or something like that, or a particular topic. And then you've got all these different programs and structures and Sunday school and all that kind of thing. And so it seemed to be you know, centered on maybe a charismatic leader who's a grand vision and purpose uh, rules and processes, to, and it just keeps the church going as an institution, I find sometimes. The reason I started to talk to you again, although these thoughts have been mulling in my head for many, many years, is because my wife and I have decided to leave the church we were attending, Tracy and I. And we'd been at this church for over eight years, and we we're very involved to the point where my wife was an elder. And one of the side effects of being in the inner circle, I'm sure a lot of people relate that listen to your podcast, is that you're exposed to all the human stuff a church goes through, um, from church politics to coming up with multi-year plans to grow the church. And, you know, you've got to come up with these strategies and all this kind of thing. And the reason we eventually left the church was the lead couple, unfortunately, decided to divorce um, which became very messy, and that was the final straw. And so once again, we've moved from this church to another one, which we are now attending. Well, okay, Lawrence, look, it's clear that you've been unhappy with church generally, but here's the big question. What do you think the real problem is? I, I really think that people are the problem. And you know, people, you and I, we know exception, want to control things, and we want to control the church, we want to control what God does. And one of the things that really makes me cr mad is when I hear and see the church being managed like a business and you, you can search on the internet and you can like church growth strategies and how to manage your church and what you need to have in place. And you think of, you know, the church that, you know, Jesus bride managed like a business. It just seems crazy. And then church leaders from around the world still go through to the global leadership summit. So they, you know, that pilgrimage that our, our leaders used to make, and that's all about strategies of the church, the HR strategies and all these different strategies. And if you do, like I said, if you do a search on church growth, you'll mainly find the strategies that put in place. And then church starts to feel like a business aimed at producing a particular result. And one of the things that I've seen is like stylized services. So, you know, you've got three worship songs and then you've got the notices, which often sometimes last as long as the worship and then you've got preaching aimed at a particular response and then perhaps an altar call at the end or prayer coming up to the front. And then there's generally a charge for the exits. And like five minutes after church ends, it's basically empty. No one's really having tea and everyone's got into their cars and it's more difficult getting out of the parking lot five minutes after church than, you know, than it is in the church itself getting tea. And then I've also noticed that people become resources to work. You know, so you need people in the sound or the Proxima or Sunday school. And there's a lot of pressure on people to get involved. And, and often you know, 
guilt trips uh, uh, put on people. You know, your children are going to Sunday school and we need people. So you need to volunteer once a month because, you know, you, we also need to play a part in looking after your children, etc. And then the last thing that I want to talk about here is finances. It's like mm-hmm. also a huge, big issue in a lot of churches. Um, and they need, obviously, a church needs money to operate, but there always seems to be a really small percentage of people who contribute financially. And often there's calls and, once again, <laughs> pressure put on people to give more and contribute and that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, you know, that's, that's sad. It's disturbing that, that you mentioned, you know, that the bride of Christ shouldn't be like this and the church is an extended family and this is not what it's supposed to be. But again, the question is, what can be done about it, do you think? I know, and, and I, I guess this, this goes back to my original comment on not being a leader and not being a theologian because it allows me to come up with the simplest answer possible. And it's, it's almost embarrassing to say it, but the answer is Jesus. And like, that's a no-brainer to me. And it, because, you know, Jesus is the faith. Jesus is what Christianity is based on. And often to have a church that's not totally centered on Jesus just seems ridiculous and even obsessed, you know. So and I think you have to take a step back and ask the question, like, what is the purpose of the church? And uh, if you do in searches on the internet, you'll find something like this. So this is what I got from the internet. The church exists to preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. God wants us to evangelize the world with a message of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And, you know, of course that's true. Of course the church needs to make an impact. The church needs to evangelize. But to me, those are all byproducts of a love for Jesus. And for me, a purpose of the church would be to help people to know and love Jesus. And that's, the people in the church itself, so that, you know, that to really love Jesus and then to make him known to all. And I go back to the, the subject of church growth. And I've often been in churches, and I'm sure you have that as well, where they run evangelism programs. So you've got like E3, and then you have like, yeah. well, how can we make our church more seeker sensitive? And yeah. maybe there's marketing strategies that we can put in place and all this kind of stuff. And it just works so badly. And once again, it's like the church being a business um, rather than, you know, being someone, an organization or a group of people that love Jesus. Yeah. And I, I can't help but thinking, like, what if church growth was much simpler than that? Because if you look at, you know, how does someone become a Jesus, a, a Jesus follower or a believer? Well, I kind of think it's the Holy Spirit who draws people to Jesus I haven't really heard of too many people who've been won over by fancy arguments and all of those kind of things. They, they need to have a, an impact. They need to have an emotional encounter with Jesus and they break right. through the barriers that are stopping them from encountering Jesus. And so I, I kind of think the Holy Spirit does that. And then you think, where do people become believers most often? love to think that you go into your business or you go into a shopping center and you encounter someone and, or in your business, your work colleague, you, you know, you reach out to Jesus to them. But once again, that's not happened to me very often because you don't speak about faith, Jesus, religion in work. It's just not done. So then where is it done? And I, I think it's like in a church situation. And if the Holy Spirit is bringing people to encounter Jesus and the Holy Spirit needs to open up the eyes of people, then surely 
the Holy Spirit needs to draw people to a church to encounter Jesus because where else are they going to? It's like when I was looking, I was single. Where do you find a Christian girl to date? Do you go into a bar? <laughs> do you go uh, you know, on a hiking trip with people? No, I mean, you go to church because that's where Christian girls are. And I, I'm not exactly the same, but it's kind of the same. And so then you've got to think, all right, so if the Holy Spirit brings people into faith with Jesus and the Holy Spirit brings people to church, then what kind of church would the Holy Spirit bring people to? And I think, once again, like the lateral progression and the no-brainer type situation is the Holy Spirit brings people to a church where they'll encounter Jesus and yes. where Jesus is love. Jesus is like the focal point where people can go to a service and really like experience him in worship. They'll sense a presence. They'll encounter Jesus in the preaching. They'll encounter Jesus by the people at the door who welcome them. They'll encounter Jesus when they're having coffee afterwards and all of that kind of thing. And so the church to me needs to be Jesus-centered and captivated by Jesus and obsessed with Jesus. Now, I know I run the risk of falling into the trap of making this into a formula or a method. And that's actually not what I'm trying to do because as we know, Jesus is very unpredictable. And you know, as soon as you think you know the rules around Jesus, he'll change them. And, and so there's no fast, you know, you can't say I'm going to put you know, these three things in place and then I'm going to have church growth. No, you're going to love Jesus for who he is and you're going to focus on Jesus for who he is. And then the other byproducts will happen naturally. And Dad, I'm just going to have one more, two things more to say. So sorry for this long monologue. Sure. But uh, I think of John 3, 14, um, when it says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And mm -hmm. I, of course, this talks about Jesus on the cross. So lift it up and then we can have eternal life and a relationship with him. But I can't help but feel that this also applies to our, our modern like, life now or our life now where if Jesus is lifted up in a church, if Jesus is the center, Jesus is the focal point, then he'll draw all people to that environment. <laughs> and the last yeah. thing I want to say, so thank you, is that the problems that I mentioned earlier about begging people to be involved or begging people mm -hmm. to contribute financially. And I just wonder if people in the church love Jesus, then wouldn't they just want to be involved? Didn't they, wouldn't they just want to share Jesus with other people? Wouldn't they want to contribute financially? And so I'm really hoping if that was the case, then you wouldn't have 5% you know, giving financially. You'd have 95 giving financially because they're doing it not out of obligation, but as a natural overflow of their love for Jesus. So, yeah, thanks. That, thanks for that opportunity to, to say that. Yeah, look, I have to agree. I mean, what you've said, I agree with entirely, but... I guess anybody my age is going to have a but, right? Mm. And, and the but is, well, you know, I pastored a church for over three decades, and frankly, I wish it was, but it isn't as simple as that. Mm. See, I, I built the local church around this very concept of Jesus being at the absolute center of all things. But despite my passionate commitment to this, I found that over the years things changed, and they didn't change for the good here, they changed for the bad. And one day I kind of stopped 
in my tracks and said, wow, I wonder if we really are as Jesus-centered as we used to be. What's happened? You see, new people join, and they come from other denominations and churches and persuasions and thought processes. Some of them come to, right out of the world. They just get saved in the church itself or through members of the church. And they bring their own thoughts and mindsets into it. Then new leaders are brought in. They don't always organically grow up in the church itself. Often they're brought in from outside. They come in, they join you seven years later, or whatever it is, they're leaders. And the church grows numerically. If it's, if it's doing the very things you spoke about, it, it starts to grow. Mm. And this has demands all of its own. It has demands in administration and funding and things of that nature. So at one point, you know, I had to do a reality check. And I realized that we had gradually slipped from our single-minded focus on Jesus. So what we did to try and rectify this is we split our extended leadership team, which was quite a lot, and we put them into workshops according to their particular area of interest and where they were leaders, with a mandate to examine just how Jesus-centered are we really in every area of the church, every department, from our branding and our logos, to our bylines, to the banners in the church hall itself, to the way our cell groups and fellowship groups were run, to the kind of music we had in the church, everything was looked at. And then we took a good hard look at that. And then we started to brainstorm in those same groups. How can we return to our first love, to our first single-minded focus on Jesus? So I think what you've said is absolutely right, but it requires something more than a desire, I think it requires some, some effort on our side as well. I agree that the Holy Spirit is the initiator. I agree that he does all the work, really. But he brings us into a strangely unequal partnership with Jesus. So we're the small parts of the partnership, but we have a role to play. So it's just not that simple, but the starting place has to be an awareness. We need to be Jesus-centered. He needs to be the everything of our church life. No, absolutely. And, you know, and it might be, I don't know, you know, that I, it might be that I'm thinking of very simplistic and it might not be possible at all. And I, you know, I've interviewed a few people for our series already. I'm church leaders from South Africa, um, Wales, you know, Toronto, uh, Vancouver, America. And yes, it's not as simple and straightforward as, as I'm making it out, obviously. And, and uh, obviously, when I was speaking to the, the church leaders, they do you know, say, I, I remember, like, you'll hear in a few weeks' time when I interview the church leader from Wales, is that he was actually criticized for speaking too much about Jesus. And that as a, as a pastor of a church, speaking too much about Jesus to his church, is like, <laughs> like boggles the mind. But, and there's so many unanswered questions. Uh, so some of the, the questions that maybe we'll look at during the series is, what does a Jesus-centered church look like? Um, does a church have to be more than Jesus-centered and actually be passionate or obsessed with Jesus? And mm. um, would the Holy Spirit bless a church like that? And, and mm. then, of course, what would that blessing look like? How, how does a church that's blessed by the Holy Spirit look like? And so, you know, I'm not saying, and I don't think we're saying, that the Captivated by Jesus series will answer these questions, and it might not answer any of them at all. But it gives us an opportunity to look at these questions, to focus on Jesus, to raise him up, and to consider his qualities like you'll be doing uh, in your blogs and podcasts, 
and just focus on the amazement and wonder of who Jesus is. And then maybe the, at the barest minimal, uh, you know, the, the smallest thing that we can expect is that people listening to our podcasts and blogs will rekindle a passion for, for Jesus. Yeah. And then if some of the other questions get answered in a small way, that's also great. Okay. Thank you, son. Okay, folks, now um, when you hear Lawrence interviewing these very people that he's been talking about, you'll know who he is now, and you'll know his vision and role and, and why he is captivated by Jesus and how we are seeking to communicate that. The two of us are looking forward very, very much to the series, and we are really confident that you will be blessed by it. So please, won't you tell your friends and contacts about it? and encourage them to subscribe to the podcast. They've just got to leap on to truthistheword.com. That's one word, truthistheword.com. And you'll see the subscription ones right near the top of the page. They can subscribe to the emails, or they can subscribe to the podcast, or both. And in this way, we can we can go on a little journey together. It might just be a 12-week journey, but it'll be a glorious journey, where we can come to know Jesus more, but even more than that, become enthralled by him again and focused on him again, and captivated by him again. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, Truth Talks.